Hi guys and welcome to Just Keep Swimming. This is my first ever, ever official podcast episode number one. Um, and if you didn't know already that my podcast is based about based on grief and the journey of grief and what I've been through and what maybe others have been through and just trying to process things I suppose and just trying to get through things day by day, week on week, year by year um, and just making sure that we're kind of processing things the best way possible and that's my reason for doing this really. Um, I couldn't myself uh, figure out a way of processing what's going on in my head. Um, I'd done a little bit of research and stuff and thought you know what let me give this a go and see if it helps me if it helps me process things if it does then great and if I can help others along the way then even better um I'm hoping we can kind of get through get through what we're going through and come out the other end and still be smiling I suppose um I started well I wanted to start off my podcast with telling you my story I think it's only fair that I share um, what's gone on in my life and my reason behind this podcast. Um, so I take you back to my mum um, and losing my mum uh, in October 2018. So it was just over two years ago. Um, I was um, 33 and she was the most important person in my life we had the strongest bond we were inseparable due to going on our little road trips um not very far mind you it's probably just going to do the shopping going to see family probably going to weddings and family functions and being indian we did a lot of that and mum loved um spending time with family and getting to know family and you know doing all of that because she'd always she'd always put um others before herself <clears throat> which is one thing I absolutely adored about her um so yeah we had a really really strong bond and I absolutely adored her and I loved it to pieces and taking it back to October 2018 it was the worst worst time of my life ever um, we'd had a, she'd had a really busy year, I suppose. Um, the Christmas before, uh, we spent going away on holiday together, and that was amazing. It was, you know, we got to spend Christmas in the sunshine, which I'd never done, and nor my mum, and that was lovely. We had the best time ever, and then when we came back, I think it was about February time, mum ended up going to India. She had a lot of family there, brothers, sisters, you know, cousins, all that kind of stuff. Being Indian, we have big families and most of her family was in India, so she spent some time there. Um, and she travelled more than she had done for the last over the last couple of visits. So that was really nice to hear. She was always in good spirits when she was over there. She was always very happy, uh, loved doing what she was doing. And even though she, you know, suffered through her pain of arthritis and other things she was always always smiling 
you know, didn't matter what was going on. She always kind of found a reason to smile and it was it was just lovely. When she came back from India, she um, wasn't very well. She started getting these stomach pains and it just kind of progressively got worse, I suppose. Um, she herself, including me and the doctors and everybody else, put it down to the fact that she might have picked up a bug while she was travelling or she, you know, she's getting back, getting used to the waters and that kind of thing. And because her health hadn't always been 100%, it was always kind of like brushed aside, which I suppose was really unfair. Um, she's, you know, we went on endless trips to the doctors, to hospitals, um, to get her scans done, to get tests done, bloods done. Uh, she was regularly monitored by the doctors. Um, but it just didn't seem like anything was helping. She began to lose her appetite and her like mood really changed. You know, she changed herself. She wasn't she wasn't a happy self, I suppose. And because of her change in appetite and her change in her digestive system, I suppose, you know, it just kind of seemed to be getting worse. It wasn't really improving and she wasn't eating much. Anything she was eating wasn't really helping her. And it kind of went on for, I would say, a couple of, a few months. Um, and... You know, we didn't ignore it. You know, mum didn't ignore it. She went to the doctors and stuff. But it was just brushed aside. Like I said, there was no actual solution. There was no medication for her. And if anything, they just palm her off with painkillers or, you know, whatever. Just to, I don't know, not really manage it properly. So it was around September, September, end of September. September 25th to be exact, actually. Um, I thought I'd call to get some advice because the on-call doctor didn't manage to visit her the day before and she'd had a really bad day. So I'd come, I think I'd come back from work and she was in a really bad way and I really just wanted some advice. So I called 111 to get that advice. I explained all the symptoms, talked about what was going on and her loss of appetite Um and her lack of obviously drinking fluids and stuff like that as well. And they, as a precaution, sent out paramedics to check on her. Um, and they did. They came, it wasn't like a blue light, but they came within probably about an hour. Checked her over, did some blood, did some, you know, checks on her, ECGs, whatever they do. And they basically found that she was severely dehydrated. So they suggested taking her into hospital for observations and stuff. So she was a bit reluctant, but we went. She walked into the ambulance. I um, followed in the car and we got to the hospital. And as most A&Es, we were left waiting out in the corridor for several hours. And, you know, she was just in, she was just uncomfortable more than anything else. But I just thought, you know, she's in the best place. She's going to have some tests done, have some scans done to see what's going on. And then hopefully we'll have some answers. And um, they kept her in for the first week. 
she had observation, she had blood tests, you name it, she had it. And so she went in on the Tuesday and I think by the Friday, after a few scans, they diagnosed her with um, cirrhosis. Um, and cirrhosis, I don't know if you know, is a form of liver damage, but it's the worst kind. It's the kind where there's no reversing it. There's no curing it. There's no making it better or anything like that. So the only option would have been if she was fit and healthy was a liver transplant but unfortunately mum wasn't she wasn't um fit enough for that she wasn't healthy enough for that with everything going on um and it was something that they couldn't do and you know there was lots going on and we weren't really sure what what the options were to be honest but I think a few days later they found um a sort of growth around her liver and they weren't sure what it was so they wanted to do some biopsies and check to see what it was if it was cancerous and if it was cancerous whereabouts it was um, and just kind of just take it from there really so we were waiting on these biopsies to be done so it was almost like the cirrhosis was there but it was kind of pushed aside because now there was this growth that they thought was cancerous and they needed to check if it was so you know we waited and waited and you know the biopsies didn't really happen because her mum's health really deteriorated and so that was the weekend had gone I think the Monday Tuesday they kind of I think they'd come together some doctors some consultants had come together checked her scans and they agreed that it was cancerous without having done the biopsies and stuff so I think we'd found out on the Wednesday that it definitely was cancer and yeah that was um that was a really strange day because even though we'd found out earlier on in the day I spent most of the day at the hospital and it was the last day where mum was mum. It was the last day where mum was, you know, her normal chatty self. You know, she was smiling. She was, you know, cracking a few jokes. Um, And every time, I say every time, but whenever mum was in hospital, she didn't like being there and to make life easier for her they have these tvs and you can pay for a card and it gives you access to all the channels and stuff like that so every time she was in we would get her that just to make her feel a little bit better i suppose and to keep her mind occupied so i remember that night that evening even um we watched emmerdale we watched hollyoaks we watched descenders and for a woman who didn't really speak much English or very limited English she absolutely loved her soaps and even thinking back now it just brings a smile to my face that you know what she would get so involved in them and we watched her soaps and stuff and she'd had a little bit of food like I'd bought some fruit and stuff and she'd had uh, something to drink so to be honest I thought it was a bit of a 
a turnaround day. You know, I left the hospital feeling quite, you know, positive. And I remember going home and speaking to family and just saying, you know what, even though she's having these bad days, is, you know, she's turning the corner maybe. And obviously we didn't really know much more in terms of the cancer and stuff and like how bad it was or whatever. So, you know, I left that day. I left the hospital that day and went home and went to bed and the next morning I was back at work and it was Thursday. So I went to work and, you know, spent the morning there and I knew my brother was going to the hospital in the morning. So I thought, you know, he's there. I'll go after work and, you know, do a split shift kind of thing. And he, and, and at lunchtime I checked my phone and I had a couple of missed calls from him. And he sounded in a panic. And I didn't really understand what he had said because he was kind of panicking and I just thought I was taking things in the wrong way and I didn't quite, you know, register what he'd said and... I went and spoke to my head teacher and I just said, look, I don't know what's going on. I need to go. I need to go and see mum. I need to make sure she's okay. And they were fine. So I left. I left work and I got to the hospital and, um, yeah, my brother was, I could tell my brother had been crying. You know, mum was just laying in bed and, you know, said hi and stuff and that was about it. But. I think I remember for, either it was on the phone call or when we got there, the doctor, one of someone, the nurse had, I think, told us or something that she'd coughed up blood that morning or that night and they needed to do like an internal examination to see where the blood was coming from. So I thought, okay, it's just another thing, right, another bump in the road. So when we were, I was in her room, you know, the doc, I was waiting for the doctor to come and speak to us and he kind of pulled us aside and took us into a, a separate room now I don't know about you but like when doctors take you into a separate room you know that shit has really hit the fan and you know you know that it's not going to be good news so I remember sitting down on this in this little little room I'd can't I don't think it had any windows but it was just really little it had like a little sofa and it had some chairs and I sat down next to my brother and the doctor was sat opposite and he basically told us that that you know that the cancer was there and you know there's that the tr the liver transplant isn't going to happen, um, and there's nothing that they can do, and she didn't have, um, she didn't have long left, and they were going to offer her palliative care. And to be honest, my um, my whole world, like, froze. And I remember him, I remember him, he was, he continued to talk and things just didn't register, things just really didn't register and I, 
I think I remember asking him, there's got to be something, you've got to be able to do something, you know, mum walked into the ambulance, we came to the hospital together less than 10 days ago, and now you're telling me that she's not going to ever leave the hospital, and that she's just going to die here, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't make sense of it, it was really, it was, it, I, you know, I can't explain how difficult it was to hear those words coming out of his mouth and I just couldn't understand what was going on and I looked at it, I think I, I think I remember asking him, you know, does mum know, does mum know that this is, this is what's going to happen and to be honest I really can't think back and I really can't remember what he might have said but it just all seemed to be very blurry from there and it was it was then trying to keep it together and hold it together and you know just kind of be strong for mum I suppose but I've always tried to do that and I just genuinely couldn't for this for this time for obvious reasons so um yeah, they did the internal examination, or they wanted to do the internal examination, they got her ready, and they took her down, they wheeled her down, and they let me go uh, through most of the area with her, and they asked me to explain to mum that she needed to sign this form um, to agree um, that if they found this internal bleeding that they could stop it in their way either clip it or spray it with something to like harden it so it there wasn't any further bleeding and I woke I kind of woke mum a little bit because she was kind of in and out of sleep but I woke her and I said to her mum you're gonna have to sign this paperwork um to agree for them to do what they need to do sorry so I remember holding her hand because she couldn't she couldn't see what she was doing and she couldn't lift her head and you know I remember holding her hand and showing her the paper and helping her to sign this paperwork um, and then they wheeled her off and yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was, that was probably like the last time she was really kind of, I say alert or say, I say awake, but that was the last time she kind of uttered any, any kind of words to me and I genuinely can't really remember what those words were and that really hurts because those are the last pretty few words she'd said to me. But, yeah, we waited in the waiting room and then we went up back to her room, I think it was, and, you know, she was wheeled back up on her bed. And um, they said, you know, she'll, you know, she's under anaesthetic and she'll come round in a couple of hours. And this was probably like mid-afternoon. And, um, 
you know, it got to like five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. And she just never came round. She didn't really come round. She never brought a cup. She was, you know, dosed really high on morphine and medication and stuff. So they kind of said, you know, with all the drugs and medication, it will take some time. So, you know, she she was just sleeping. She was sleeping through it. You know, she slept through most of the night. Um, and I was just didn't understand why she wasn't waking up, but because she was under this anaesthetic and because she was highly drugged on morphine, I just thought, you know, it's just one of those things. And the doctors try and keep you informed as much as they can, but I think when they, it's like end of life care, it's kind of just like, I don't know, whatever happens will happen. So yeah, she was, you know, she slept through most of the night and then I think once the drugs were wearing off, she um, was obviously feeling some sort of pain. So she would kind of like get up, out of, not get up out of bed, but like almost sit up out of bed and holding her stomach and kind of screaming out in pain. And... Um, you know, I still kind of hear her screams now, and I just, um, I remember actually thinking to myself, I can't, as, as selfish as it sounds, I can't hear her scream like that, because I don't want to see her in, in that pain, and I walked out, and my other half, you know, was sitting beside mum, making sure she was okay, then would come and check on me to make sure I was okay and you know just monitored her I suppose and you know I begged and pleaded for the doctors to give her something to settle her and they did eventually they gave her some more morphine and she settled again with the drugs and stuff and you know it kind of it just it just was also really very, very quiet. Everything was just really quiet everywhere. And her, you know, the doctor had walked in and asked if her, if mum's breathing had been like that, you know, through the night. And I, and I was like, I don't really know. You know, we don't monitor, we didn't monitor her breathing. You know, she was on an oxygen mask and... As far as I was aware, she was breathing and she was just sleeping and the doctor asked me if, you know, mum would respond if I would call her. And I said, in normal circumstances, yes, of course she would, but right now I don't know. And she asked me to, you know, call out her name and squeeze her hand and try and wake her. So I did and I remember shouting, mum, mum, down her ears and... You know, there was nothing and there was no response. You know, the doctor checked her eyes and there was no response to the light. And, um, you know, the doctor, that she turned around and said, you know, her breathing had slowed down, like right down. And, and I said, well, you know, is this it? Is this it? And she said, well... You know, she could continue going like this, you know, for the rest of the night, the rest of tomorrow, a few days. It, it, we don't know. We just don't know. 
and I just and I, it was just really sad because they were prodding and poking her still for like checking her bloods and checking her blood pressure and and I just thought it's enough and I asked them to leave us alone and I took her oxygen mask off and her breathing just started to slow down even more and she made it through the night but she sadly passed away early morning on Friday it was just before 6am and she took her last breath and the world, world just actually felt like it stopped and everything was quiet and you know they left us alone with her they left us alone with her and and they didn't they didn't you know pressure us they didn't they just left us and we just sat with her and I just sat with her and I held her hand and I gave her a kiss and I just remember stroking her face over and over again because I because I didn't know but I knew that I would never be able to do that again and I just remember like her her hands and her arms and her face just getting colder and colder because we were there for a couple of hours and then it was like you know what do we do now like what what's the next step but yeah you know it was a really really shitty time and I, as hard as it was then, talking about it now is just, you know, just as hard. And it's just the worst feeling in the world. And, you know, there's just no, no, no turning back the hands of time, no going back no seeing her again no holding her hand none of that won't be able to ever do those things and that that kills me that really kills me to think that I can't do those things I think I've um I think I've depressed you guys enough and I'm hoping I've shared my story well as well as I can sorry about the you know the teary moments or the times where I was umming and ahhing and stuff I'm gonna leave you there and I hope well I shouldn't say I hope you enjoyed listening but I I appreciate you guys listening if you are listening and I just want to leave you with the thought of one thing that just kept me going throughout all of this is obviously my family and friends but the reason behind the name of my podcast just keep swimming was because that's all I kept kept doing and all I kept telling myself so if you are going through something similar then I hope you do just keep swimming and you have those people to reach out to 
and if anybody wants to give me a shout I'm here to listen as well but I'll leave you there sending big love to everyone lots of love take care and hopefully I'll see you next episode bye